Welcome, everyone. This is the Osteopathic Center podcast. We specialize in regenerative medicine. I'm located here in Florida, and I have uh, a good buddy of mine who uh, is joining me today. He is a foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon uh, affiliated with the Duke University system, Dr. Salim Parekh. Uh, thank you for coming on today. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. So we're going to talk about uh, ankle injuries, and and we know they're very common. You know, ankle uh, a classic ankle sprain is the most common injury in orthopedics, whether or not you get it treated. Um, and I wanted to kind of uh, marry the two worlds of both traditional orthopedics as well as regenerative medicine. And, and there's been a, almost a standoff over these years. Uh, you know, some uh, crossover, but most kind of stay on their own side of the fence. Uh, I've kind of crossed over and then we'll talk about uh, Dr. Parekh, how he has kind of goes back and forth and utilizes some of their, uh, some of, some of the, the technology and the products to get the results that he, that he wants with his patients. So uh, in general, uh, to make this not too complicated, I've broken it down to some of the basic uh, injuries for ankle. So you have uh, ankle sprain, which is a low lateral ankle sprain. Then you have a high ankle sprain, which is uh, more on the shin, at the bottom of the shin, more though than you know, in the actual lower part of the ankle. Then you have fractures. You have tendon issues, whether it's a tear or a tendonitis or a tendinopathy. Uh, and then you have the Achilles tendon in general, uh, or more specific, which is its own special headache. Um, so you know, with with low classic ankle sprains. They're very common, and as I said, they are the most common injury in all of sports and in all of orthopedics, whether it's you accidentally stepped on something and rolled your ankle, whether you stepped off a curb and didn't see it, or, or a little small step. And unfortunately, with those ligaments, they have a tendency to get torn. They don't heal very well naturally, so it's a lot easier to re-tear them and re-injure them again. This vicious cycle happens. Um, traditionally, we will either ice uh, anti-inflammatories, rest, sometimes ACE bandage. If it's a more severe one, uh, you know, we will consider doing uh, a, a bracing or something along those lines. Uh, usually uh, doesn't keep the, most people out for more than a couple weeks, depending on the severity. Um, have you uh, explained to me a little bit about how often you see these in, in terms of uh, deciding what to do when they're more advanced? Uh, and then, you know, if you're luck with regen in this in this area specifically yeah so you know just like you said ankle sprains are really common about twenty-five thousand happen per day in the u.s not all of them obviously need any type of treatment whatsoever the vast majority go on to ever not ever being seen in urgent care emergency room primary care orthopedics whatever they just heal on their own but there is a class of these injuries that end up in the uh, in in the offices of the orthopedic surgeon the emergency room urgent care things like that um, clearly not every single one of these needs regenerative medicine that would be an overwhelming number of these that would need it uh, for me there is a subset of these ankle sprains that I would consider doing regenerative medicine and those are really patients who have tried physical therapy are struggling still having pain they feel like the ankle is still giving out but there's no documented instability and you may even get an MRI and the MRI shows that it's, there's a strain or a sprain of the, of the ligament, but it's not fully torn. And so they're stuck between pure conservative, which is not really getting to where they need to be, and not having indications for surgical intervention. And, and classically, you would just say, hey, keep doing the therapy. 
keep doing anti-inflammatories and these patients struggle. And so for me, that's where regenerative medicine has an opportunity to step in and provide whether it's PRP, which is typically what I would use in that scenario, or whether you are a believer of doing stem cells in that scenario, either fat-based or bone marrow, or even amniotic tissue. Uh, for me, PRP is, is actually a nice uh, uh, product to use in that specific uh, indication because the platelets dump all those growth factors right into that area and help the healing process continue. Yeah. I mean, uh, thankfully, we don't usually need to bring out the big guns for that injury. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have your unique cases where people continue to re-injure it, and, and then they finally need to do something about it. But that injury specifically doesn't seem to uh, really bother people enough. Uh, well, either that or they don't really aren't aware of what options they have. You know, you don't usually have to do surgery on those. Those, I mean, right. obviously, uh, severe things, everything happens. But um, transitioning to more of a high ankle sprain, um, that is, is, as we've seen very well in football, especially this year, very common injury in football, but not super common in everyday life. No. Uh, this is of the what we call the syndesmotic ligaments, the ligaments that hold the two bones uh, of the lower leg together. And when they are sprained, depending on the severity, those bones kind of want to separate, which then causes a lot of issues. Whether you're just walking or jumping or uh, you know uh, whatever you're trying to do, very painful, very frustrating, and takes a long time to recover, uh, to have that usually athlete get back to normal, to get back to where they feel like they can do what their, their body's asking them to do. And the ankle actually cooperates. Um, we've seen anything from a mild case taking three weeks, sometimes four, um, depending on what you're trying to go back to, you know, the moderates take six weeks, eight weeks, sometimes longer. And then the severe ones, uh, whether or not it's associated with a fracture, often end up in the operating room, uh, right. whether they're doing wires or, 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 you know, depending on how the injury is, if you have to put a plate in there for, the, for a fracture. Uh, we've actually had success here at our clinic with some of the mild to moderate ones, getting them back sooner with using Regen, using some of the, the higher level products, whether it's PRP or bone marrow or amniotic tissue allograft, to actually bring those growth factors, bring those healing products into that syndesmotic ligament and into those soft tissue areas to speed up the healing process. The physical therapy is vital, but it's just adding another tool that speeds right. up the process and gets them back to their goals a lot faster. What, yeah. are, what is your experience? Well, I think similar to the low ankle sprain, the high ankle sprain, thankfully is less uh, common. Um, more often than not, it's in that, um, in, in the uh, athletic population, uh, they can happen isolated or they can happen associated with a fracture. Just like you said, if they're a fracture or they're unstable, then that needs surgery. It, it, regen medicine is just not going to be capable to take mm -hmm. care of that. Yeah. But again, just like the low ankle sprain, the, the high ankle sprain, most don't need anything besides rehab and time. But just like as you're indicating, there are those patients who struggle, those patients who have continued pain where I think regen medicine really helps to get that to heal up faster, have the swelling calm down, have uh, more scar tissue form and get stabilization uh, and, and quieting those ankles down. So I, I think that uh, there, there's certainly a role and, and I've used it again 
Uh, for me, this is another place where PRP would be an option um, because I think it really works very well here. Yeah, no, I mean, thankfully it's not a very common injury uh, no. and it's usually a very specific situation where usually an athlete's trying to get back to X game and they said, what can I do to speed up the timeline? Um, yeah. Frustrating injury nonetheless. Um, uh, fractures, uh, obviously relatively common in this area um, and even a small uh, angle change uh, in the healing pattern of, of, of depending on what bones broken can dramatically affect the functionality of that angle uh, of that ankle going forward. Uh, unfortunately, and you can elaborate on this a little bit more, um, an ankle fracture can lead to arthritis in that ankle uh, going forward, uh, even in, probably in a perfect um, healing. So you, maybe the rates are a little bit higher than if you didn't ever have that injury to start with. Um, have you used any uh, regenerative medicine products in a fracture situation to, to either uh, help with growth or, or you were seeing an issue where it wasn't healing uh, or you maybe you wanted to prevent um, some, you know, cartilage issues or arthritis, uh, any, anything along those lines? Oh, absolutely. So this is a, a high volume indication for regenerative medicine in the operating room. So uh, those patients who have high risk fractures like the Jones fracture of the foot, or navicular stress fracture of the of the middle of the foot, or even a uh, ankle fracture that has not healed or takes longer to heal than normal. Regenerative medicine is actually a great place to add the the, the machinery and the power to try to get the healing to occur. And in this scenario, for me, bone marrow aspirin is where I'm getting that stem cells from. We want to get it from the bone because uh, the stem cells there are used to making cells that can create bone. And we want to focus, concentrate them down and give a big punch to those areas to either help healing occur in an acute setting like a Jones fracture or a navicular stress fracture, or in those delayed or non-unions that need stabilization where we're going to clean it up. Today, this morning, I ended up doing a, a, an athlete who's in their 20s who had an ankle fracture that should have normally healed without surgery, but struggled to heal. And we go in there, we put some hardware, we clean out that area pack in the stem cells and it will get this thing to ignite and really form nice bone within four to six weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's the future of medicine or, you know, part of it. Uh, you, uh, you do all types of crazy and fascinating uh, surgeries, whether it's, it sounds like 3d printing or, or some of the stuff I, I, I don't even know about probably, but um, you know, were you using regenerative medicine products 10 years ago? Like when did you start and, and start to appreciate it? I would say about seven, eight years ago is when I really started gravitating to regenerative medicine. And really it stemmed from the fact that um, the products up until then were allograft, meaning cadaver tissue that's been sterilized. Well, that's dead tissue, dead cells. And I'm packing areas that need viability yeah. with dead stuff, hoping that they stimulate the body to bring living tissue into that area and, and inherently that just didn't make sense now back then when I first started practice we didn't have access to the regenerative medicine tools that we have now but as time went on and you start thinking hey can I bring machinery into this area to turn on um, bone healing or turn off inflammation turn on healing and can I use the patient's own tissue to do that then you really get excited about regenerative medicine. And to me, that's why you've seen this explosion 
not only in the medical settings, but even in the athletic settings where these professional athletes used to go abroad to get all this regenerative medicine, but now they're finally starting to get it here in the U.S. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's super exciting because when I tell people that we can use their body to heal themselves in a way that uh, it obviously hasn't or, or hasn't yet, uh, and speed up the process and make sure it actually heals, it may never be perfect like it was pre-injury, but it will be significantly better than, it, uh, than if you didn't use the product. Um, it's, it's nice uh, to have that. Unfortunately, uh, in the outpatient setting, it's a little harder for insurance to get on board. Uh, right. When you're in the OR, I think uh, they're a little bit more lenient. But um, as far as the uh, different types of tendon injuries, um, have you had any luck with, uh, with either PRP or, or anything along those lines where you had a tendon that just simply wouldn't calm down? Uh, you know, maybe the steroid injection either wasn't best fit or didn't work. And you didn't want to do a you know tendon repair or, or or something along those lines. Have you ever have you needed to use any regen for that type of stuff? Yeah, so that's actually a great question because you know all of these indications uh, require I think more sophisticated regenerative medicine thinking. So it's not you know one size fits all, not one bullet for every every indication. And here, when it comes to tendons, whether it's the Achilles or the perineal tendons or the posterior tibial tendon. I actually think that either amniotic tissue, uh, the injectable amniotic fluid, or lipid-based stem cells, so fat-based stem cells, really make sense. And if you think about it logistically, lipid-based stem cells, they're in a fatty environment, very greasy, very slick. Well, that's what a tendon wants, right? A tendon is in its tendon sheath, and it needs that slickness. It needs that inflammation to calm down. So what better place to put fat-based stem cells and get those tendons to quiet down the inflammation, but then to get the slickness they need to start gliding and working properly. And I've actually had success using uh, fat-based stem cells in those areas. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Logically, we have so many options and sometimes um, patients can get overwhelmed with like, well, what do I do? And that's kind of where we have to help guide them. But the other part of it is, you know, which one is the best for certain injuries, you know, like, and in some certain things like, uh, like the rotator cuff or the labrum, uh, whether the hip or the shoulder, some of the lesser products, the ones that have don't have as many cell lines, probably not going to be strong enough to fix right. that, or you're going to have to do a ton of uh, injection, multiple rounds of injections. So you have to use some of the ones that have the higher levels of stem cells, higher the levels of growth factors. Uh, yep. Just you know, sometimes choice is just as important as what product you use, you know, in terms of, in terms of cell line. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, uh, your, 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 your uh, luck with um, Achilles tendon, a, a relatively common injury, especially kind of that 45 to 60-ish age bracket. Um, uh, you know, we know that uh, traditional rehab, depending on the severity of the injury, can significantly help um, but sometimes it's not enough. I had one particular case of a lady in her probably late fifties, very active or tried to be very active tennis player, but just the, the Achilles tendon wouldn't cooperate. So I had really good luck with PRP. Uh, she was hurting for a couple of weeks after the injection, but. Sorry, let me go do this timeout. I'll be right back. So we were touching base on um, Achilles tendon and, you know, we know that, 
Uh, a lot of the times rehab will work depending on what your goal is, but sometimes that tendon is just too beat up or the injury is just too painful. Uh, I was saying how I've had good luck with uh, injecting uh, PRP into one particular case that actually ended up doing really well. Uh, we know there's a couple different procedures that that uh, you all like to do. PARS is, is one of them, but um, how do you decide, you know, should we go for regen? Do you do PARS? Do you ever do both? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because when we think about Achilles, uh, the way I, I lump them is Achilles tendonitis and, and tendinopathy versus the rupture. Mm -hmm. And there is more literature coming about using regenerative medicine in the Achilles tendonitis tendinopathy scenarios. And, and a lot of that is actually based out of the lipid-based stem cells. Again, the, the gliding effect, the greasy effect, really helping to calm down inflammation and let the, the tendon glide well. For the rupture scenario, there is some interest at seeing if we can bring into play some of the cellular activity to reinforce our repairs. And so this is a group in Baltimore that's looking at uh, stem cell treatments, either injecting them at the time of doing Achilles repairs, or even actually um, there's a surgeon up there trying to innovate a suture that has the stem cells embedded along the suture, so that while we're throwing the stitches, you're bringing the stem cells into that area. Now, a lot of that so far has not borne out to show any statistic statistically significant difference, but I think it, it is, again, the early phase of what the future will will bring, which is using patients' own cells, own body to increase the, the success of procedures that we're doing currently. And that's kind of, uh, ideally we fix ourselves all the time, but unfortunately, as we know, that's not always realistic. But if you can access those cells that are yours, that have essentially a 0% risk of rejection, you're just basically relocating them and cleaning up the cells, that's kind of what would be ideal. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different options. And sometimes uh, the data for stem cells shows that as we get older, uh, the number of stem cells drops significantly. You know, uh, when we're an infant, they're, they're very high. And, and by the time we're 50, 60s, they are, you know, drastically different. So sometimes you may not have the cell, the cell count that you'd want. And then there's other barriers as well. Um, yeah. Any other final comments before you need to run to the OR about regen and, and what you do for, for you know, in, you, in your practice or in general in, in foot and ankle surgery? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it is a fascinating field that is emerging. I think if, if patients and uh, start thinking about um, regenerative medicine, they really want to go to places that have experience doing it because, as I said, not one solution fits everybody. And we've done, you know, things, you know, we don't we really focus on this on the ankle, but even for plantar fasciitis, we've done it and, and had significant uh, success with it, avoiding patients, uh, avoiding surgeries on patients who've had pain for two plus years and are on the brink of surgery and, and you do regenerative medicine and one injection gets rid of their pain. It's remarkable. And when you start hearing stories like this and when you start taking patients and you see success like this, you become a bigger and bigger believer of the, the, the strength and, and the options available to you with regenerative medicine. The biggest hurdle that I have found for, for patients is the cost. And unfortunately, that's highly variable from, from place to place, not only within a city, but between cities. 
but you know, if you can avoid the risks of surgery or decrease the risk of your pain and suffering and restore your quality of life faster, well, you know, it's, it's hard to put a price on that. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Thank you very much for your time, Dr. Prick. We will uh, maybe catch up with you another time on this podcast. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. All right. Dr. Preck is a foot and ankle ortho surgeon at Duke. And um, he sees, you know, some of the uh, craziest uh, and most complicated procedures and, and injuries, predominantly because he is a, in a huge, uh, large university setting. And that's where a lot of the uh, smaller ortho offices, uh, if they can't figure it out, if they don't have access to certain um, treatment options will refer to very common. Uh, we saw that when I was in training at USF, we would get some of the crazier cases because um, the the uh, you know local private uh, orthodox just didn't they didn't either didn't have the resources, didn't have the time, or didn't want to treat them. It was just going to be too complicated and not worth it in their opinion. Um, but overall, as you can see. Uh, there are, uh, there is a lot of progress being made. Uh, we've made strides and, and, and the future is very bright uh, for not only regenerative medicine, but in particular uh, for uh, the union between orthopedics and non-surgical orthopedics, where we have that, uh, the ability to extract your cells, um, uh, concentrate them, and then Put exactly what your body needs to fix an injury right where it belongs whether you do it through a needle uh, you know in an outpatient setting or you do it uh, you know uh, as part of a surgical procedure uh, but there are several um, institutions that do it within the OR whether it's wrapping an ACL uh, with, with growth products uh, whether uh, putting tissue allografting into an area that you know either needs tissue or, or is damaged tissue, um, so it is is very uh, relevant and, and very promising. Uh, the the data is is amazing and the stories are amazing. As you just heard, uh, he's had fantastic results uh, with with this um, with this field, and, and the future is bright. Um, so that will uh, finish up our podcast. Uh, today, um, I, I really wanted to uh, try to integrate a little bit of orthopedics, traditional surgical orthopedics, in with regenerative medicine to show that we aren't that different. And if you know what you're doing, if you know what products to use, um, that there we can make good changes and we can prevent further uh, pain, suffering, and injury. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. If you like the video and you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe. Um, if you're listening on one of uh, the podcast servers, if you would please uh, leave a, a five-star comment um, as well as a uh, subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you again next week.